all about Australia's favourite obsession, property. G'day, my name's Jeremy Cowan, and I'm the host of this podcast, Property, Australia's Favourite Obsession. See, everybody loves property. We buy it, we sell it, and we feel it every minute of every day in our working lives and when we play. And this podcast is about the drivers, the five drivers of property. They're, of course, technology, infrastructure, population, government-granted licenses, and credit. It is those things that are at play every day of our lives that impacts the price and the desirability of a piece of land. And that's what we're here to discuss. See, last week I spoke with Jack Pinson about Gander Airport, an airport that sprung up out of the ground without a city around it. It's quite an amazing story. And today I'm going to take some further discussion points that I had with Jack. See, as you can imagine, Jack and I, we spoke for quite some time, a lot longer than our last podcast. So today we're going to continue our discussion with Jack with a whole collection of stories. Now, a lot of these stories don't seem initially to be property related, but it's really important that we stop and think about how these stories relate to the five drivers. Now, it's probably a good idea to go back if you haven't already and listen to the first episode with Jack about Gander, about how it came about and the importance of Gander. And in this episode, I've collected up a number of stories that Jack told me about Gander and how it relates to our five drivers. See, the first story that Jack's going to talk about is really about human ingenuity, about how as humans we can just solve problems that we haven't even thought of. The whole idea of aerial refueling started in Gander in 1939, and now, of course, it's commonplace in the military. But the inception of aerial refueling came out of a problem. See, the original boats that were landing around Gander were the water boats and fully laden with fuel that were just too heavy to take off. And that's where human ingenuity and Gander Airport came together to find a solution, aerial refueling. So think about this, about the ingenuity of humans, about what this does to our productivity. And of course, that productivity will always feed back into the land price. Tell me, you sort of touched on this a a few times that Um, You know, the same technology that um, put Gander on the map is the same technology that through advancement eventually saw the decline of Gander, isn't it? That as as aircraft got, um, you know, bigger and and faster and could fly higher and, and the piston engines were slowly taken over by the jet engines, um, the need to transfer through Gander declined and had an obvious um, you know effect on on passenger numbers and and the importance of the airport yeah but you know this is something that factors that uh, that somebody pointed out to me one time like a seven a 747 comes in that, that's got a full load this comes uh, passengers you got as many as four or five airplanes super connies uh, or dc7s you know like 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 uh, 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 as far as bodies are concerned, mm. difference in the air, number of airplanes landing, there's not a great lot of difference in the number of People. bodies yeah. that go through. Now yeah. there's, there's a lot less, but not 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 as as, as you know like uh, uh, the the, uh, the the one of the the, the few of the things that that happened like. Uh, like for some reason, everything that happened in Gander was eventful. You know, like like it wasn't something that was always normal. Like like we've had so many abnormal things that happen. You know, like like and I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes it's part of part of the history that I'm, I'm we're 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 coming up with there. Like we're finding things that you know, like 
back, right, right, right back to let's go right back to 1939, for example. They, were, they used the flying boats in 1939 on a temporary basis uh, uh, from from uh, Ireland to uh, they would land in Ireland and they would would come in and land in a in a seaport just to the east of Gander and. Uh, they they found out that this this one airplane with a full load of passengers and a full load of cargo they were too heavy to get off the water with the fuel load that they that they needed right they get to to Ireland so what they did this guy uh, fellow by the name of Cobham uh, <clears throat> he he wanted to set up he, he decided that they could do aerial refueling so he he, he uh, his company that he had. They developed. They took a couple of um, uh, old World War One bombers, or not? Not really World War One. That's a lie. It was a new. It was a bomber that was developed after World War One, and uh, and he uh, developed the tankers. And what they would do. The airplane, the, the seaplane would take off Botwood and, and they would take off and, and uh, with, with a minimum amount of fuel on board. <clears throat> and then this airplane would take off Gander in 1939 now. It would come up and drop down a hose and the fellow would be down there and he would open up the door and reach out and grab the hose and stick it in the, into the, right, and tank and, and refuel the airplane. And so they, so they admitted refueling back in 1939, right, and was developed in Gander, right? So anyway, this as this was going on, World War II started. Everything that was dropped. Now, 1947, when the, when when aviation started picking up and Gander started becoming like a refueling base for airplanes, he decided that listen, that this air refueling is really going, you know, like this is really going to take off. So I'm going back to Gander and do some testing. So what they were doing, they were taking a, a, an a old Liberator bomber, BOAC had a Liberator bomber that they converted into a cargo airplane that would take off Montreal. And would take off Montreal, fly down over to Gander, then the tanker would, then they had a, a Lancaster bomber developed into a fuel, a refueler that would take off from Gander, meet up with the, with the, with the Liberator, refuel it, and then the guy would keep on going right on, right uh, over to England, nonstop, right of Montreal. So he thought, this is great. This is really going to work good, you know, so. So they, they, they were there for a couple of years until finally somebody decided that, uh, okay, now we can take cargo. I would take passengers. They said, nope, can't do tank, can't take passengers. Not allowed to take uh, insurance companies, I should say, said that. Mm-hmm. Insurance companies said, we ain't insuring that if you're taking passengers, not for mid-air refueling. So they said, okay, well, it's out the window. Well, what he did, he took that he took that, that technology that he developed for fueling this airplane and sold it to the military. Right? Now the military today, they're doing all mid-air refueling there's yeah, all the yeah, you know like like that's what i'm saying like like you know some of the things that uh, was events that happened right like in 1946 sabina came over a sabina flight came over and landed or was going to land gander crashed and killed after passengers on board as a dc4 so they had only about 40 people so it wasn't a great you know it wasn't you know but it was I think the thing about it, it crashed right into the wilderness. I mean, you know, no way you could get a car in there or, or anything because it's all forest, right? right in the middle of the mm. forest, mm. 25 miles to the, to the southwest of Gander. Couldn't get them out. And they're alive and they're, and they're injured. So there's no absolutely impossible to get them out. So this guy, uh, they brought in, a, in a, a military had left Gander uh, in 1946. And Gander was, in fact, they said to the British, government said to Gander, your airport now, or to the Newfoundland airport, a Newfoundland government, your airport now, you look after it. So now there they were uh, responsible 
to get those passengers out with no 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 military support. So they called uh, the 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 uh, navy in in uh, Argentia. They had a base there, and would you come up and help? You know, so they came up. They went in and they looked, sized it up. But they had a medical doctor. He, he walked in, a group of them walked in and found out that they were injured really bad. And if you didn't get them out, they're going to perish. You know, I mean, there's just absolutely no way. It was in the fall of the year, getting cold weather, it was getting cold, wet, damp, getting eaten with mosquitoes, really bad. So the guy said, look, we got a new, we got a, 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 an airplane that might help you out, a helicopter. And they said, what? What's a helicopter? The 1946 Coast, American Coast Guard had two helicopters they bought. Just the helicopters invented in 1943. This was three years after the helicopters invented. Didn't know what they had it for. Didn't know what they were going to do with it. Somebody said, "Well, could the helicopter get in there?" Yeah, the helicopter could get in there. Well, get the helicopter up again. Or well, gee whiz, find a helicopter up from from right down in Georgia or down in New York State. You know, like up in Newfoundland, it would take them days to get up. You know. Yeah, so they, yeah, yeah. they took the helicopter apart, dismantled the helicopter, two, put them aboard an airplane, took the airplane, flew them up the gander, took the parts out, reassembled the helicopter, and went in and rescued those people. You know, it was the first time ever a helicopter was used rescuing a civilian. They used one time, what, what, they used a helicopter one time to rescue a couple of military guards, but this is the first time ever they use it. And American Coast Guard had and this is, and after the, the operation was successful and we got everybody out that was alive, they decided, you know, like maybe we should start thinking about making the helicopter as a rescue vehicle. And that's not, that's a, like I said, like it's all happened to events. Like, like there's nothing that was planned. I didn't see Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. You know, like it was, was out of necessity. Everything was done out of necessity. It's a really interesting story and one that I didn't know. 1943, the helicopter was invented. And 1946, Gander used it to rescue passengers from a crash plane. This story is really about productivity gains, about how as humans we become more and more productive, that we invent all this stuff. And that rescue helicopter, I mean, that started at a whole avalanche of the use of the modern day helicopter. And now helicopters are used for all sorts of rescue programs, but they're also used to muster cattle and used for tourist flights, as well as to access inhospitable locations. And yet here we have Gander involved in the first rescue operation using a helicopter. And in this next story, Jack goes on to talk about Gander's involvement with the Concorde. Of course, that classic aeroplane with the bent nose that, of course, travelled the transatlantic for many years. Uh, event that, that I, I think that was, was pretty historical was uh, when, when they invented the Concorde, when the Concorde started to fly, they were going to make a commercial, and then they got into, uh, into a meeting uh, uh, like my boss, uh, when in, uh, he was chief of the control center, and he was involved in discussions and about what kind of a procedure do you control with supersonic airplanes versus you know uh, uh, subsonic airplanes? So they they you know there's different areas. Like I mean, you got you got everything, all kinds of problems. You know, you got uh, uh, the sound barrier busting the sound barrier, coming out of the sound barrier into the, into the normal flow of traffic and all that. And how are they going to work this into the ocean uh, and crossing the Atlantic? So he said, look, why don't you, he said, not much going on in Gander. Why don't you use Gander as a test bed? So, uh, so for the next two years, the Concorde used Gander testing out flying in, across the Atlantic, you know. Then one of the biggest things was, is that how, how long is it going to take you to serve a cup of coffee? You know, that was the simple things. Not only about getting, getting your, you getting your, uh, mixed in with <laughs> a subsonic airplane. 
But anyway, like it's not an event that happened, you know, like, uh, uh, so like Dick says, like, it seems to be so many historical events that happened in Gander over the years, you know, like, uh, uh, um, like we take it as a shrug of the shoulders, like 9-11, 9-11 was, was, was like people said, oh, and scratching their heads, you know, and says, man, how can anybody ever come up with this plan? Like, listen, this plan was done, was manufactured in about 1963 or 64. Like, you wouldn't believe it. it was, I'll tell you what, what happened was after the assassination of Kennedy. When, Senate, when Kennedy got assassinated, the world went on red alert because they didn't know uh, 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 what the... No, I'm sorry, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. It was Kennedy was involved, yes. What well, was... At the uh, at the uh, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, I'm sorry. Yes, okay. Yep. yep. The missile Crisis, right? So, like, the world went on red alert, and and somebody came up with a bright idea at a meeting, uh, international meeting. What would happen if a World War Two Three broke out? What would you do with all the airplanes that are flying? So they said, well, let's test it. So what they did is they is they, they they didn't bring all the airplanes in, but what they did at a certain time, they made an announcement. Everybody was all alerted to it. Right, you know, the, the airlines and 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 ground crews are all alerted at a certain time. You would say this skitana is now in effect, and what you would do, you say, okay, my nearest airport is such and such a place, and I can be underground at such and such a time. And this was all recorded, right? And it took there was a lot of data here. Mm. So they took all this information, and and for all the airplane that was going in at a certain hour on a certain day in North America. So they come up and said, okay, we can get the airplane, we can get the uh, the airspace evacuated in so many hours. Um, I forget how many hours. I don't even know. They, they never told me about it. Put it that way. And, but, but you know, and this had to come up with a plan. And this is in the event of an emergency, this is how you clear the airspace. And they took it and they put it into a folder and they put it into a drawer. And they would say every now and then they take it and they update it and they update it and they update it and update it. 2001, they pulled it out. Mm. Said, let's evacuate the airspace. As simple as that. It was all done, was done 30 years before, you know. So, you know. Like, and that was a, I mean, that was a, like a, obviously, um, you know, the, 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 the whole bombing of the, um, the, the the whole event of of nine um, eleven was dramatic enough as it was, but yes. as you said, from from a Gander point of view, um, you had what thirty nine planes rerouted to um, uh, to the airport there. Yeah, uh, it, it you know like. I, I look. I, I know the fellows. I, I was retired at the time, so I wasn't even working there. I, in fact, I didn't even know about it uh, uh, that was going on. I was I wasn't in Gander, at, <laughs> but but uh, I I know some of the guys that were working that day, you know, and I talked to them about it and all that. And 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 those guys are not used to handling arrivals, like you know. I mean, I mean, there were more more in in en route controllers, like you know, airplanes going from the U.S. Yeah. To, to uh, and to Europe and back, and then all of a sudden, you know, and you get you started trying to land airplanes, and next thing you know is the people on the ground said, "Where are we going to put the airplanes? Like, what are we going to do with them?" You know, so let alone the seven thousand passengers that and then, turned and up. Then, so what the hell are we going to do with seven thousand passengers? You know, like I, I I shook my head. You know, I don't know how many times trying to figure out like how did the name of God did they do that? You know. 
because it was, uh, like I said, a necessity as a mother of, of invention. And you just had to make it up as you're going, you know, simple as that, you know, and, 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 and cooperate. The, the biggest thing is cooperation. Mm-hmm. You've got a guy call him up and say, can you do this? Yes, I can. Right. Not yeah. saying, I don't know. Yes, I can do it. Now, yeah. I'll, figure I'll just out get it done. Do it. Yeah, I'll figure a way to do it, you know, and that's the way it works, you know, and, and uh, but, uh, you know, that was, that was, that was quite like kind of an effort, you know, uh, 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 like a lot of people said, what's the big deal? You know, like we had 25 airplanes land at Montreal. Yeah, but how many airplanes, how many, geez, you could have found out for tw- for those people, you enough hotel rooms to look after. Well, I was going to say 7,000 people into 500 hotel rooms yeah. doesn't really equate, does it? I mean, oh, um, the, I mean, the town themselves just opened their doors to uh, essentially billet these people out, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, you know, so it was quite an effort. I, I got to say that, uh, I tell you, you know, I've heard well, a lot got, of nice stories about it. Well, got you a, uh, uh, got Gander on the front page again, didn't it, with a uh, hit Broadway musical, Come From Away? <laughs> Here you go, like I said, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> Always so many events, not even funny, you know, like it's, uh, yeah. And, uh, by the way, that's that they're going to go on TV now in the fall in September and they're going to have it, uh, it's going to be televised. So. That story about the need for airspace evacuation starting in 1963, 1964, just goes to show how important Gander is from an aviation standpoint. As I said, this airport has some very, very special uh, locational advantages, but it also is surrounded with all sorts of technological innovations. And it's those innovations that, of course, create productivity. And productivity will lead to profitability, which will always capitalize back into land prices. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to take some of these stories. As I said at the start, they might seem a little bit um, a, a little bit loose with regards to property, but it's all about the drivers. It's all about human ingenuity. It's about our five drivers, and it's about how we continually advance, and those advancements make us more productive, more profitable, and hence continue to drive land prices higher and higher. And that is the thing about the humans, that as we go on, we don't know what we're going to invent next. We don't know what's going to be the the new helicopter or new aerial refueling. Or But what we do know is that humans are very, very clever at solving problems, that our ability to innovate is second to none. And it's this innovation and continual movement forward, our growth as humans, as our productive powers, that's the thing that's most important to understand that that's where humans come from. And whilst you believe that we will continue to progress, then you know that property prices will in the long term continue to grow because those that progression will create productivity, which of course equates to higher land prices. Jack, I was going to ask you actually, I was actually going to take it back, back actually to you and say, what about air traffic controlling? I mean, the technology, well, the technological changes that you would have seen would have been pretty impressive. Oh yeah, I I, I I I never forget one time I was working. I hope you don't mind me. You know, I, I'm sort of like wandering there a little bit, but I remember one time uh, about uh, uh, changes. Like like we couldn't like there's four control centers that that look after North Atlantic. Right there's there's Presswick in Scotland, Gander, New York, and in the Azores for for the for the southeast portion of the Atlantic. And we can talk. We talk. We got telephone hookups with Presswick and press and a phone hookup with New York, but we never had a phone hookup with, with Santa Maria. 
good than his Azores. So, you know, like we question why. And they said, well, but we're doing it because we've got a transatlantic cable and we just we just hook into it. And, but there's no, there's no cable that leaves Spain or Portugal and comes across the ocean. It, it goes up, they route their traffic up through Europe and then to, to London and, or to England and then across. And so, okay, yeah, but, and why can't we use that? Well, we can't use that because it's too complicated, you know. So what we're going to do, we're going to set up a radio, uh, a, a radio communication phone. So they started working on that and they worked on that for four or five years. And we're still, and we couldn't talk to Santa Maria. Like it was ridiculous. I mean, an airplane that was flying across, you know, like how could you, you know, how can you change information? Anyway, we don't have a lot that used to do there, so I guess that's probably the reason why we didn't do it. So anyway, this day, uh, uh, and there's an Air Force base, a military Air Force base in 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 the, in the Azores, and and I'm there one day, and I says, "Damn it! I mean, there's no, you can't tell me there's an American not, and his Air Force and these at his base cannot talk to his to his parents or to somebody in the United States." I said, "You got to be able to talk to him." Yeah. So anyway, I call I call our uh, our American. Uh, we we're working with the military. Uh, we we've got a unit a military radio uh, outfit down in Florida that we communicate with. And uh, so I call them up and I said, "Listen, I said, uh, how do you guys you guys do you talk to to the to the Azores?" And he said, "Oh yeah, all the time." Yeah. I said, "How do you talk with them?" No, I said, "Can you give me a phone pass to to uh, to the Azores?" And he said, "Sure." So next thing you know. And phone answers the phone, right? And I said, can you give me a phone patch from your place to Santa Maria Center? Sure. He said, no sweat. So he calls it Santa Maria Center. And Santa Maria picks up the phone. And I said, this is Gander. He says, oh, he said, we got a telephone working. I says, no. He said, how are you talking to me? I said, I don't know. I have no idea. I said, I just know that I got all yet. And I said, I said, that's good. That's good news. So anyway, I hung up the phone. And I called back the, the guy at McDill Air Force Base. And I said, you just give me a phone pass to the Azores. And he said, yeah. I said, how'd you do with that? He said, satellite. What? Satellite? Yeah. So I know where I walked with the boss. I said, you ever think about a satellite? No, never heard. <laughs> just like that, boom, you know? And that's how you advance stuff. <laughs> that's true experience. <laughs> if it does things happen, you don't sit down with a book and sit down and say, well, I got to figure this out. And it just happens. <laughs> it works. My idea works, right? If it works. No, you, but it's working. <laughs> And that's a lot of a lot of stuff and improvements that happen like that. Like 1967, we um, we set up a a, commu- a computer system that that uh, with the with the uh, with Presswick Control Center, and and after that, everything was transferred on on on. Uh, and this is 1967 now. This was all transferred on 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 the computer. Like no no communications. You could talk to them if you if you had something that you want to chat about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, something mm-hmm. that re- requests or something like that. But just ordinary data transfer was always done, done on, on the computer. First in the world, right? First, the first control center ever do it. And not only that, we had conflict predictions. We had two airplanes, right? Uh, and and would tell you, you got you're going to have a you've got a confliction, you know, such just you know such and such, and you better do something about it. And you give you lots of warning. These yeah, are the right. changes that happen, right? You know, so. And the same way with, with flight planning, we made more changes to flight planning, you know. So, but I mean, like I said, uh, it was it was a uh, it was it was interesting. It was an interesting uh, uh, occupation to be into, put it that way. <laughs> oh, fascinating! And especially, I mean, you you know, you pick the era to, to to be involved as well. I mean, yeah, I, um, I did. The I mean, the 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 advancements, the technological advancements, and 
and social advancements that go along with that are, I mean, it's quite mind-boggling really, isn't it? And the impact oh. that that's had on our lives and, um, you know, p- people being able to travel and see the world, etc. I mean, it's, uh, it's a marvellous thing. But even though the glamour of travel might have come off, the fact that it has been democratised and so many people now travel, of course, excluding the last 12 or 18 months given the COVID pandemic, but before that, millions and millions of people took to the sky to travel, whether for work or for play, whether to travel to the next city or to travel to the other side of the world. And that travel has had an enormous impact on property prices, whether it's to do with hotel accommodation and the desirability of beachfront locations or snowfield chalets, or whether it's got to do with the commercial enterprises of the factories and the buildings and the skyscrapers that house all the offices. The mobility that air travel has created for us humans has had enormous impact on our productivity and profitability and, of course, the value of land throughout the world. Uh, you know, when you talk about, you know, the the advent of the, the, jet, um, the jet plane and the impact that had on gander traffic numbers, etc., but at the same time, um, uh, you know, Eastern Europe wasn't allowed to land on US soil. So they traveled through Gander, didn't they? So yeah, Moscow yeah. to Havana was, they came through um, through Gander. <laughs> yeah, you know, like so much, it's so strange that the way that, the, the, like the Soviets, the, the Cubans were coming through, Czechoslovakians were coming through, there was East Germans were coming through. Soviets were coming through, and the word was out. Do you want to defect? You defect at Gander, and it was common. Like I mean, they had they had a full detachment of Secret Service in in Gander all the time, com- completely. You right. We had people in with immigration dedicated, you know, and and yet those airlines kept coming in, kept coming in, right. And and every airplane would come in, guaranteed there'd be at least one person that would declare asylum, right? Is it true that? That they would declare by uttering the words "save me" to a security officer. Uh, all you had to do, all you had to do, was shout. That's all. Yeah, uh, 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 that's how, how, how uh, uh, ridiculous that and, and makes it sound so stupid. Is that they're ready for it. like like uh, every time that 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 uh, uh, an airplane would come in, they'd be ready for it. You know, and and and, and uh, I never. You know, like it was so common, like, like it was was hardly anybody that would do be working away, and some somebody just affected downstairs, and some said, "Yeah, I saw us coming up." It's just down for a coffee, and uh, and the uh, guy was going up the escalator, and then all of a sudden he said a fight broke out, and he said, then the next thing the RCMP came up and grabbed a bunch of guys and lugged this fella off. And this the guy was affecting. and his uh, uh, the personnel aboard the uh, airline was trying to keep him, trying to force him aboard the airplane because once you're on the ground they can't touch you right as, as all you know like all you got to do if, if you bring it to attention of of, of of another citizen that you want that you want to stay there there's nothing they could do about it right they had to let them they had to let them go like they could couldn't uh, they couldn't prevent them but yet they they did make <laughs> you know it was so strange <laughs> It's, I can't it's unbelievable. It, like somebody was saying, "Give me some examples." And I was saying, oh, "God, I, I, this, was, this was a common thing." And then the, the crews would, like, like, like Aeroflot, Aeroflot would, 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 uh, would slip the crews there. 
you know, like the guys that were going to Cuba uh, would go with land gander and then would, the crew would get on tape to Cuba and Cuba would come back and they would sort of switch crews there, you know, because of the length of time they're flying from, from Russia over, over to, to Newfoundland. And uh, they had apartments down there and, and they had apartment building all set up for them and, and uh, they would come in. And uh, they they go in supermarkets, right? and and they never seen super supermarkets. Uh, I guess that you could walk around, pick something off the shelf, and look at it. And they would take down, and you see them. Uh, the, the the managers used to get really upset. They come down, they take up a container, open it up, right, and says, "Well, that tastes good. Gee, that's good. Here, taste that. <laughs> Put it back on the shelf." You know. <laughs> the, the Cubans would come up, and they would come up with with cases of cigars. Right, because every car, like they weren't allowed to trade with the U.S. So they had every car, every Chev and every Ford that was ever built in Cuba, but they couldn't get parts for it. I mean, they're old cars, too. I'm talking about, you know, the cars from the 50s. So they would come in and, and they had this, there was this uh, uh, auto parts store in Gander, right? And they had kept all those parts in there. They would come in and and they would do, they would barter. Right? They would come in with a case of cigars. They would say, okay, can you give me these? looking for a set of brakes or looking for a set of shocks or springs or something for a certain car and they would bring it out and pay for it in cigars because <laughs> those guys never had any money you know? <laughs> it just defies logic the whole it's a, you couldn't make this up this story could you you could not make it up no, I'm even, so... even I um I saw um that uh, what Fidel Castro it was the first time he saw snow and went tobogganing was in yeah. Gander on the way back from the 50th anniversary of the Russian Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not only that, but at the same time when he got down there, the, there was a couple of nurses that were just getting off work and just on back of the hospital. This big ski, this big hill, there's there and. Uh, they were stuck in uh, there. There was after snow, so he jumped out and no one started helping push out the car. I mean, you know, like Phil, <laughs> 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 can you give me a push start? That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I, you know, I keep talking about snow, but you don't know what snow is like, so I wouldn't even until <laughs> you can't fathom it. But I mean, it's not very comfortable jumping out trying to push people out of snow. <laughs> you, you ever try to push somebody out of like stuck in the mud or something? You know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, same kind of situation, you know, except the, 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 the snow is a little, is a little colder. You know? <laughs> But, uh, just um, It's just unbelievable, isn't it? This story once again shows the importance of Gander. We talk about population as a driver and that idea of the Soviets wanting to defect into Gander or more appropriately Canada and the US to access our Western economies just shows the flight and the movement of population from those Soviets who couldn't travel from Moscow to Cuba without landing at Gander, that even when the jet planes came in, it's still Gander Airport that they had to land in. Gander's locational advantage continues to roll on. So, I mean, Gander still has a, you know, it might not be quite what it was in the the 50s, but it still does play a, a very... Um, crucial role in in aviation, um, as you said, it's the um, it's the spot where um, you know any planes of distress um, traveling over the um, the Atlantic would um, uh, would come to land. Um, but I wanted to know, you, you know, like where, where do you see where do you see Gander's future now? You know, is it still tied to aviation, and what what do you see in the future for Gander? 
I, yeah, I do really think, I, I, you know, personally speaking, I really do think that that, that still aviation is 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 the is the key to Gander. Now, now, if the if the airport left Gander, or if Gander shut the airport down, I should say that's the best way of saying that. Uh, the the town could still survive. I mean, because we are we are now a, a surplus. A, a market town, really, more than anything. Else. People will come from outside to come in and, you know, visit the lawyer, visit the doctors, get, you know, get your prescription filled in the drugstores and all that. You know, because there's a lot of communities that's within a half hour drive from Gander that, that people will come in for that. So that part of it, yes. But the airport, see, right now, the airport is still active, very active. You know, I mean, you know, like uh, uh, the military, military use Gander a lot. They come in and, and they're, they're, they're transporting all the time. Like, I mean, yeah, sure, an airplane can take off from the United States and fly right to Europe, but some of those airplanes are coming from, from the West Coast. They come from, you know, from, from the Pacific side and then they're coming up and they're just coming in and getting, and because of the route they're going, that they don't want to go into. You know, like you don't want to go into into New York or or or, yeah. or Guardia or Newark and all that with your, you know, and and for fuel, just you come into Gander and for fuel. So there's a lot of that going on. Like there's there's still ferrying aircraft uh, back and forth. Military is still ferrying aircraft back and forth. Like they'll bring a bunch of fighters uh, uh, to Europe or, or Middle East, I suppose. They're eventually going eventually. But they'll bring up a tanker, or a couple of tankers with them. They'll come in, land gander, and they'll spend a night relaxing and all that, and get up the next morning and go across the Atlantic, do mid-air refueling all the way across. So really, they're still still ferrying airplanes, really, mm. and 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 like the revenue, like the the, the revenue from gander now, like we're independent now. One time we were a government-based facility. I paid, they paid for the the the, uh, the government of Canada looked after. You know, maintenance, uh, runway clearing, the covers, you know, everything. Well, that they that went by the wayside back in the 90s. And they, they come up with those, uh, what they could refer to as aviation authorities. And which means, which meant that we're not paying your bills anymore. You guys look after your own bills. We'll make sure that the airport is safe to fly on and make sure all your navigation aids are are, uh, are up to scratch. But we ain't paying for anything. So you got to come up with your own way of, of paying for it. And so they charge taxes, or so they charge passenger tax. You know, like somebody getting aboard of an airplane got to pay an extra twenty bucks on their ticket just to fly with them. Well, yeah, there's not a lot of that going on in Gander anymore. I mean, you know, like you're probably moving two hundred passengers a day at the maximum. I would say at a Gander, but that's not where they're making the fuel, or they're making their money. They're making their money on the fuel. Like they put a tax on the fuel. So you come in and you got to pay uh, a tax and you got uh, whatever it is, you know, so much a liter or a gallon or whatever the, the, the factor is. Right? And that's what pays for the airport. So you get a great big 747 coming in. I keep calling it 747. They don't make them anymore or don't fly them anymore, but I can't help it. It's just a habit. <laughs> <laughs> you used to looking uh, out the window at yeah, the moment. I mean, that's, the, that's the ones I, I, that I've dealt with, you know, over uh, all my years. So, I mean, I just, just can't get it out of my mind. But anyway, uh, they'll come in and they'll, they'll, they'll pick up, you know, like being the thousands and thousands of, 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 uh, of liters of fuel. And, you know, well, whatever measurement, the, I would say is liters now. They, they're yeah, liters, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, they'll charge you know, 20 cents, 30 cents, whatever it is on the liter or something like that. And that's how they're making the revenue. So, yeah, I mean, as long as you get people coming in and gassing up, there's a, there's a service station. So we are. 
just a, a North, a North Atlantic service station, <laughs> you know, and you come in, you got a problem, you got a, you got a, you got a mechanical problem. They got mechanics there that, you know, they'll come in and fix the airplane for you. They got a sick passenger. We can bring in, you know, to a doctor and then they'll fix you up, you know, so. So yes, there is still life in Gander. Has the, um, um, once say the hiatus in 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 uh, world travel, but certainly it's somewhat depressed given um, the current state of of COVID around the world. Has has that impacted the the, the town much and aviation numbers, or because of the do- no, mil- military? The only, the only thing that it affects uh, uh, the aviation part of it is that the, there's less people traveling at a gander. You know, like like people that going to. Montreal, Toronto, North or Ottawa, some places like that. Yeah. that. That's down. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's down to almost zero, you know, really. Mm. But the airplanes are still flying through, you know, I, 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 because what they're doing right now, for example, uh, we, we got this uh, great big Russian cargo aircraft coming through all the time. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. they're, 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 those guys take on enough fuel. Like, I mean, they'll pay. They'll pay for the expenses for the airport for a full month just for one load of fuel, right? Just about, you know. So you're still getting those people coming through. You're still getting a lot of airplanes like Transat are coming over. Every now and then, in fact, there was a couple there last week, I believe, had to come in because of of, uh, of a sick passenger. So they come in and they fuel, you know. Uh, and and they'll come in empty too because in a lot of cases, they're too heavy to land with a full tank of gas. So they'll just dump all their gas and then come in and land and refuel again and go on. So there is some revenue coming in. You know, the, the airport is still getting some revenue. In fact, they're more, you get more revenue, I would say, uh, uh, at the airport in Gander than a lot of airports in Canada because of that fuel thing, because that's what they're yeah. based That's what they base the revenue on is, 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 is taxing their fuel. Right? So, you know, like landing fees is minimal anyway. You know, I mean, you're not going to get a big, uh, a big lot of that. So that's not yeah. important. There's a fuel that they're a big guzzle. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? It's, uh, it's amazing how, how Gander has just continually got itself mixed up in all sorts of aviation adventures, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that that happened there over the years, and 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 uh, and, and and that's how really how we got involved. Is, is like I said, I grew up I grew up in the town, worked all all my life here, raised in a family and whatever. And uh, a lot of that history was going by me. I, I wished in, that the salad, that the internet was was invented, you know, like years and years and years ago, because that way then we could have had access to some of the old people that that, that are gone now, you know. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 but I'm what I'm doing now. I'm not a, a like some people, you know, refer to me. Oh, you're involved with the history gander. All I'm doing, I'm collecting it. That's what I'm really doing. I'm not really doing any research. I'm collecting what other people are doing, you yeah. know, and, and making sure putting it in, in an orderly fashion that that you can read about it or whatever. But uh, you know, I guess it's, it's it's got a lot more. You know, if you ever go into another another place and you say compare the history, you know, I mean, like we're so historically rich is not even funny, you know. Yeah. They've had more more, like I said, events that uh, uh, over the years that made us more important than we really are, I suppose, to that extent. It just it gets things happen here, you know? Uh, in fact, I, I was, uh, I run a little Twitter account and I, I'm, I put one out this morning uh, that uh, about the uh, TWA that got hijacked. I mean, uh, TWA out of New York got hijacked there in the 70s to go on away from New York to Chicago and ended up in Gander. 
hijacked because the guy wanted to take it overseas. <laughs> and the, and and <laughs> and uh, he he uh, ended up in Gander, and and uh, and 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 the only way he'd get across because I mean he's in the, in a small it's seven twenty seven. just not equipped to fly to North Atlantic, uh, where it'd be electronically or 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 fuel. And uh, so they had to fly another airplane in to get them. So meanwhile, it was like I said, it was a, we we had a real lot of fun that night. You know. Uh, uh, listening to to the, the because everything was gone on radios and we could we could sit back we were i was working at i was working the midnight shift and i was sitting down listening to those guys out there on the ramp and uh, and you know negotiating back and forth and, and it was kind of interesting the first time ever i had personally got involved into a hijack you know i wasn't directly involved but i was yeah, yeah. there i was like like a big fishball looking in watching it happen right which was that was a, that was an experience in itself right you know it was a and I got involved in a couple of hijacks too, or not hijacks, but bomb scares. But uh, that was another thing. Like my own personal experience was, was I'm, you know, like I had more personal experiences. You shake stick at, you know. <laughs> well, it was the era, wasn't it? I mean, you were working through that era where, uh, yeah, the hijacks and and um, and bomb threats were were were, yeah. were were not everyday occurrence, but they were certainly more regular than we certainly like. Yeah, yeah, like I said, uh, uh, and then I, I got, I was involved into a crash. Uh, uh, I was working in the control tower and, uh, of an airplane crash one night while by myself at two o'clock in the morning, one thirty in the morning, something. And you know that was that was another. Like I said, uh, there's so many things that happened over the years that <laughs> you can uh, you can tell a lot of stories about. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Is there anything else, Jack, that you'd like to add that I maybe should have asked you about about the, the oh, history uh, of Gander? Uh, actually, uh, I, I, I'm sort of enjoying this, and I was trying to come up with. The, uh, I, I put some notes up. Oh yeah, yeah, and another thing too is it's like our landing aids, you know, like like oh, to go back to that Sabina crash. That was a that was a, a, a most one of the most head turning events in aviation that ever happened and a lot of people really not recognizing it and i told you about the helicopter using the helicopter in this crash mm. but, but one of the things when they did the investigation of it they found out that that pilot to start off with he was only 27 28 years old he was a uh, he fought he, he, he flew fighters flew spitfires during the war that was his uh, uh, and then when it, when the war was over he went flying he flew an airplane so we'll hire you right so that was a factor in itself like the guy never had the experience of flying in bad weather because fighter pilots don't fly in bad weather because bombers don't fly in good weather so therefore there's no reason to, to fly so that that you know we'll, we'll forgive him for that little bit but the guy was flying for 20 hours you yeah, know right. like he, left, he left he left brussels and 20 hours later he crashed yeah. now right off the bat I mean, you can't even drive a motor vehicle for any more than, you know, eight or nine hours and you get tired, right? But this is what happened. He was flying for so long. He got into, was, the weather was really, really bad. And his inexperience of flying in bad weather plus his, his yeah. mental condition, yeah. you know, fatigue, right? And that was one of the biggest things that came out. And then they said, listen, we've got to put in a minimum flying time for pilots. And I said, you know, that little thing, you know, like a, 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 of an of a accident that created a regulation that people are using today. Mm. You know, like, like right now, and I'm sure if you've ever been flying sometimes, you say, 
where float the flight crew was running out of time, so we had to make it to the lake. We got to wait until because it's, it's flying time. You can only allowed to fly at a certain, not necessarily with wheel in his hands, but I'm talking about from the time that he what he reports for duty until he lands. Got it can only be a maximum amount of time, right? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And 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 now they've adjusted over the years. In fact, they they, they keep bringing it down. I think right, you know the way it's going. But like 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 that's something happened then gander that changed the, the, the aviation world right and then the next thing was up to that point there was no such thing as landing limits in other words whether if the weather is at a certain limit you can't land you can't you can't try to land you mm-hmm. got you got to go to your alternate airport well this after that too they said okay now from now on we have to stipulate uh, what the landing minimus can be. So that was done. That regulation was brought in as a result of an incident, of an event in Gander, right? And then they come up and says, listen, we got to start making sure that our that our landing aids are are, are are more precise. So then they started coming up and started going reinventing, started reinventing better landing systems and which they're in place today, you know, not the same one. I'm sorry, they're modified to a certain thing, but I mean, they were they were all, you know, and 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 things like, and next thing oh yeah and another thing was we found out in their investigation that most of the seats broke loose and they came out through the airplane rather than stay in the airplane because if they had stayed in the airplane they would have had a lot, a lot better chance of surviving but what happened is that the seats weren't bolted on properly yeah right forced, right and 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 so as a result of that, now they come out and they stipulated that our seat has to be fastened to the floor of the airplane. So he said, you know, like like those things happen, and you don't know the reason why they happen, right? And and as a result of one crash, there are about four items that were brought in to improve aviation, you know. And 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 of course now not only that, but and I'm sure other things were brought in as a result of experience. Some said, okay, mm. we found out this has been happening, so we should adjust to this, right? Because they got, like, I, like I said, I started, I started work in 1961, and, uh, and the modifications and changes into safety is, is, is being enhanced so much over the years, it's not even funny, you know, and, and, uh, and through, through, like you said, through experience, you know. And uh, Part of the point of this podcast is to get you to thinking about the world in terms of our five drivers and how it affects property prices. What Jack's talking about here with regards to the fuel tax is really important because this is how the government, this is one of the government-granted licences. So we often talk about government-granted licences relating to the ownership of property, that the government, when you purchase a property, you get a title and the government guarantees that title. But there's lots of other government-granted licences that affect property prices. Banking licences is another one that jumps immediately to, um, to mind, where banks you know, you can't issue money or create credit without a banking license. And it's the government that controls and regulates these licenses. And of course, what they're doing with regards to the fuel taxes is a similar sort of thing. Gander Airport, by definition, has got a monopoly over the fuel prices of the jets uh, that come into it. And the government gets to add those fuel taxes to the price. And the government there has got a monopoly because at the end of the day, you can't change the location of Gander. And of course, the government gets to put the fuel taxes at whatever level they think appropriate. And these fuel taxes are, of course, added to the government coffer and then spent in the way of services and amenities for the town surrounds. The more they spend on the town surrounds, the more desirable it becomes for people to live 
and work in Gander. I do hope you've enjoyed these stories by Jack Pinson. I understand they're not specifically about property today, but they're all about the drivers. And what I'm hoping you'll take out of this is the connections. It's the connections to the drivers back to property. Because it's these drivers that will continually affect price that will be paid to secure a particular location. Our five drivers are the common theme in this podcast. Technology, population, infrastructure, government-granted licenses, and of course, credit. They are the things that underpin our property markets. So let's wrap it up there. A big thanks to Jack Pinsent. I'd encourage everyone to go and check out his website. It's ganderairporthistoricalsociety.org. Of course, the link is in the show notes. And I'd certainly encourage you all to think about our five drivers whilst you're looking at his website. Of course, we'd love to help you on your property journey, so feel free to contact us with your questions, queries or stories, or if you'd just like a bit of help. Don't forget to like, subscribe or leave us a rating or review for property, Australia's favourite obsession. I'll be back next week with another episode and until next time, let's keep obsessing about property. Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. History and past performance do not guarantee future performance. Jeremy Cowan and Cowan O'Flack Proprietary Limited are authorised representatives of PGW Financial Services, Proprietary Limited, AFSL 384713.